welcome to Ignite Church. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us on this cold and dreary day. I can't believe as I was coming to church this morning, it was snowing. And uh, some smart aleck had, I'm so tired of cold and winter and everything else. Oh, I'm ready for some heat, some, uh, some sunshine. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we're continuing in a series on discipleship. Um, and uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what a potential disciple he is and what uh, a discipler is. And so today we're going to finish up with uh, a re reproducer. And this is the, the final stage of kind of where you're getting to or should be getting to in your Christian walk. As you guys will notice, I have four chairs up here. Um, a seeker is, seeker is that person that of the world has thinks that uh, work, raising kids, whatever world, and what they realize is that the world is not, they should be looking at is you. In your talk, the way that you, a seeker should be seen when there's to give them a reason, all right? That's what, the, um, I believe, the kingdom of God, because they have, Paul would call the milk, they are starting, it's getting ready to smack them in the face, like most people who end up becoming followers. The problem, though, is, is, that we've got too many people in the church today staying right here. They want to, to say that, man, I've got my, I've got my foot in heaven, and I'm going to keep one foot on earth, and uh, I'm just going to continue to do what I normally do, but I believe in Jesus Christ. We've got way too many people in the church in this stage right now. What scares me about this stage is that when Jesus was talking about the sower and the seed, he's talking about four different stages of a believer's life or a potential believer's life. He's talking about the seed that gets thrown on the hard rock, and that's the person that's still the seeker to an extent. Uh, they haven't heard the, or they've heard the word, and it didn't necessarily set, and it gets blown away. And then you have a lot of people in the follower stage where they have that flash of pan of what I would call a flash in the pan excitement. They get all excited about uh, Jesus Christ. They start coming to church, and all of a sudden the worries of the world take them away. And we've got too many people living in this area right now. Uh, if you've been a believer longer than a couple years and you're not uh, in the reproducing stage, uh, this is really, this message is for you right now. Okay, we're going to talk about the reproducing stage. This is learning to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we want to go from here, which is still the milk of the word, and we want to get into what we would call the meat of the word. And this is when you finally kind of get to a place where you start becoming an owner. Like you're, you're really excited about what Jesus is doing in your life. And these stages should happen relatively quick. But what happens a lot of times in the church today is that people just get complacent. And you can actually fall back and forth kind of, you, you get excited about the word of God and then the world smacks you in the face and you go back to a follower and you're, you're going up and down. And those seasons happen in your life. But your onward and forward motion should be always of being, uh, trying to be an owner and a reproducer. You're excited about the gospel, man, you love to serve, you love to love people, you're, you're getting to a place where you love the word of God, and it's starting to make a change in your life. That's the three stages that we've talked about so far. And so what I want to talk to you about today is that how do you become a reproducer? In other words, how do you get to this place where you're over here in as I printed these up, I didn't do this on purpose, but it made me think, like, you see how big the seeker word is? And it kind of, it was because of the font. I couldn't get it on here. But when I look at the reproducer, like, it's really small. Like, that does say reproducer for all you guys in the back. Um, 
there aren't that many reproducers in the church today. Like it's a very small percentage of people in the church that are actually reproducing other believers. And so today what I want you to look at is say, first of all, I want you to find out where you are in this process. Last week, we, we talked, if you're a seeker, man, you need to give Jesus Christ authority to come into your heart and change your life. Let, let him change your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a person here that's already done that, and you're a follower, and you've been a follower more than a couple of years, and you're not being discipled, I would pray that you would ask somebody to help you get discipled, okay? Learning to be discipled is, or learning to want to be discipled is a process that the Holy Spirit will take into your life, and being discipled is just learning the Word of God from somebody else. That's really what we want in this stage here. We want the reproducers to actually be working really hard with these two people right here, the seekers and the followers. So if you're a reproducer, you need to be looking at who's out there, first of all, a seeker, second of all, who's a follower, who's somebody that's given their life to Christ but yet hasn't blossomed to become an owner and or a reproducer. And so when you get to this stage, now you need to be looking to become one of these guys, a reproducer. And at the same time, helping get to this place with the seeker and the follower. And so let's look at what we're going to talk about today, the reproducer. In order to become a reproducer, first of all, you have to know Jesus Christ. You have to have a love of the word. You have to have a love of the lost. Okay? If you don't have a love of the lost, then you're kind of going to be going back and forth between a follower and an owner. That's pretty much what you'll do. A love of the lost is seeing somebody out there that, know, that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, in the United States, most everybody has heard of Jesus Christ. Okay? They just don't know Jesus Christ. Many people even claim to be Christians because they were born in a Christian home or, you know, raised in a Christian church or just born in America, but they don't truly know Jesus Christ. And if you and I have a love of Jesus first and foremost and an understanding of what he truly did for our salvation, we would actually have a love of the lost. And we've got we've to kind of change our mind in that, that people, I promise you, there are seekers out there that want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You've just got to go out and voice it. You've got to go out and talk about it. So I've got two questions for you today. First question is, why should I be a reproducer? Why should I be a reproducer? And I've got four answers. I'm going to go through these relatively quick. <clears throat> why should I be a reproducer? Well, first of all, it's a commandment. Okay? It's a commandment. We have to be obedient to Christ's commands. Too many followers and too many owners of the church right now are not following God's commands, period. When Jesus came upon the scene, he gave his first command, and that was to follow him, and he will make you fishers of men. And the last one that he gave was what Jared read a while ago, uh, was uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them all that I've commanded you. And so as a reproducer, I've got to get out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's not a request. That is not a, a suggestion. That is a command from him, Jesus Christ himself. So whether you're discipling your children right at the moment, which is a great place to start. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Or you're uh, out there doing this one-on-one, -on -one, or you're out there doing this in your office or your neighbors or whatever, 
you've got to start, you've got this whole sphere of influence of people that I will never meet and the people in this church will never meet. God has given them to you for one specific thing, and that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a command. So let me just state this matter of fact. Matter of fact, if you're not a reproducer, you're disobeying God. Period. You're, you're disobeying God. And so the excuse of, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to do it, I, that's not a good excuse. Like, my biggest fear is that I get to heaven and God goes, well, you know, who did you bring with you? Like, I, I, want, I want to be able to say, look, God, th- I did exactly what you're doing. And these are all the people that heard your good name, heard the good news, and gave their life to the Lord. Let me tell you something. You and I, we have no power in making somebody get saved, just so you know. We have a whole lot of power, though, in sharing the gospel. If we share the gospel, the likelihood of them becoming saved is a lot greater than them never hearing the gospel. Amen? So we have to become a reproducer. When Jesus spoke these words to the church, it literally changed the world. You take the 12 guys that he called to be apostles and throw away Judas because he was, he was there for a, 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 a purpose of God's. And the other 11 went out and started doing exactly what he commanded them to do. He commanded them to go off and make disciples. And we, so we're going to look at the church of Acts here in just a minute. But once the church of Acts came up on the scene, it exploded because they were doing exactly this. They were reproducing other believers. And God loves numbers, just so you know. The more numbers that we have filling this church and filling the churches across the United States, guess what that means? More souls. When I can place somebody in this seat and I can look them in the eyes and they get the, they hear the good news, whether it's from you or from the sermon or from small groups or whatever, that is a soul that is in heaven now, that, that will be in heaven the day that they die. That's why God wants us to go out and reproduce so those will get to know him. The second answer is to be receptive to Christ's promise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Let me tell you something. I think most people here are scared of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll just say that. I think most of us are scared of what, if we just let ourselves go and we sold out to God what the power of the Holy Spirit would do. Literally. This past week we had our Seder meal or Cedar meals. How do you, how do you say that? Cedar, Cedar meals? I keep saying Seder meals. But the guy who came and did that, if you missed that, you missed an awesome blessing. Maybe you can catch it next year. But uh, our folks did an amazing job. It was set up beautiful. Uh, it was a very intimate time just to see the Passover meal. But the guy who was doing it, Heim, I, I was talking to him afterwards, and we were asking him, because he does this pilgrimage. Uh, the, the Jews uh, in Israel will actually go and do a six- to eight-week pilgrimage into India and to um, Peru. And so they will leave their home, and they will just go do this. They're actually spiritually seeking something. They have no clue what they're spiritually speaking. But he, he made this comment that made me believe that most of us are scared of the power of the Holy Spirit. He says he sees things on this pilgrimage that he doesn't see anywhere else. Like he sees God come in and just wreck people's lives just by sharing the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. They want to hear the gospel. And they give their lives to the God, like changing lives just 
almost automatic. He says you can see it change the moment they accept Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Like, we're, we're seeing and hearing uh, miracles happen in third world countries because they aren't scared of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we're truly scared of the power of the Holy Spirit. You realize when somebody says that they are, you know, am I right? Hello, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm God. <laughs> Not me, I was just, you know, that was vo the voice of God. I, I truly believe that we are scared of the Holy Spirit. Like, if we understood that the Holy Spirit is the one speaking through us, I wouldn't care who I was talking to. I wouldn't care if it was the President of the United States or the Pope or whatever. I'm going to use that power behind me. I'm not worried about my own words or my own knowledge or anything. I'm relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened in the Church of Acts. They, they didn't have a 12-step program or four chairs to talk about. You know what? God told them, Jesus told them to go out and make disciples, and they did. And they were to, to serve each other, to love each other, to give to each other, and they did. And the church blew up from there because they relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus kept telling his apostles, like, you want me to go. They were like, no, 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 we'll fight, you know, to the ends of the earth to make sure that you don't die. No, you want me to go because what I'm sending you is going to be so much more powerful than what I am currently. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And bam. That started changing lives. We're scared of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises that we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when we accept him. So you and I have a responsibility to go out and share that with somebody else. That power that we have within us can change the world, and it did, starting with the Church of Acts. Look at our third answer. We are to follow the biblical example. What are we supposed to mimic? Jesus Christ. In his word. This is what you and I should be living out every single day of our lives. Like, there's nothing else. I don't have to worry about some celebrity or some politician to, to mimic. I'm supposed to mimic what is in the word of God. And what was in the word of God in the New Testament church was disciple making. Period. Was reproduction. Without that reproduction in the church of Acts or Paul going out and planting churches, teaching the exact same thing, we wouldn't have the church that we do today. It's called reproduction. We have to be reproducers of the gospel, reproducers of disciples. And what I'm trying to do is I'm not just trying to give you knowledge when I'm discipling you. I'm trying to get you to understand that you go and do likewise. Take what I've shared with you. Take what I've taught you. And then you go and do likewise. Multiplication. Just keep adding and adding and adding and adding until you're, you're, you, you, when you're dead. That's when you quit, just so you know. When you finally meet Jesus, then you can stop sharing the gospel because you'll meet the gospel at that point in time. So we've got to follow the biblical examples. I want to give you 12 biblical examples out of, this, out of the book of Acts. All right? So you write these down because I, um, I do have those up there, don't I, Gabe? Number one, let's look at the first two uh, examples. Church growth statements in Acts. And this is what we need to look at when we're, when we're thinking of the church of Acts. It exploded in a time that really there was a lot of persecution going on in Christians. You and I have zero persecution in the United States. Do you know that? We have zero persecution in the United States, and we're scared to death to share the gospel. Because guess what? We don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 2.41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 
tell me God doesn't think, think about numbers. Like he, every time that, whether it's Pentecost or this day, he's giving big numbers. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That had nothing to do with Peter preaching or John preaching. or any, That was the power of the Holy Spirit. If we relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see 3,000 get added to the kingdom, period. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to the number day by day to those who were being saved. God has saved six people here in the last six months. That's amazing. That's awesome. Little church like ours, six people getting saved. We saw uh, six people at the Man Up Conference give their life to the Lord. We had ten get baptized that weekend in the freezing cold creek. Like, that's what excites me. When people give their life to the Lord, that's how you can tell that this, the church is not dead. It's, they are saving souls, not just our church, but any church, that souls are still being saved because we're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be seeing. That's what we need to, to be looking for. Uh, number three, Acts 4.4, 4, but that many of those of who had heard the word, or excuse me, heard the message, believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Again, a big number. Acts 5.14, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly being added to their number. The author, Luke, was writing Acts, and he was watching these miracles take place as the church was just blowing up. Like, any church over 500 is considered a megachurch. Do you realize that? Like, they're, they're plopping 3,000, 5,000 a day right then at, at that moment. Like, they're exploding because they're doing and living out the gospel. They're doing exactly what God has called them to do. Um, Acts 5.14, and the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly being added. Okay. Uh, Acts 6.7, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the, the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. When you rely on the power of the gospel, and you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, the words that you start speaking will change even the most religious. Even the most lost, even the most hate, hate people who hate God, it will change them and it will wreck their lives for the better. That's what we've got to understand is that it's not just your words you're speaking, it's the power that comes behind it. Why do you think I keep telling you to read your Bible, pray, and repent every Sunday? Because you can rely on that power and not your own power. When you start doing that, it will change the world. And this is exactly what's going on in Acts. The word of God kept on spreading. The number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. The Holy Spirit in us produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Right? There is comfort when we rely on that. When we rely on our flesh, it becomes chaos. When I rely on my own ability, it becomes chaos. I, I mess everything up. But if I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what? I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable in what I'm saying. I'm comfortable in what I'm discipling. I don't get scared of, of doing any of that stuff as long as I'm doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what the Church of Acts was doing. Acts 11.21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Acts 11.24, for he was a good man, 
and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Acts 14.1, in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both Jews and Greeks. Could you imagine living in Israel at that time, trying to share the gospel, share Jesus Christ in such a religious, devout place? Like, we've got a lot of devout and religious people here in the United States. The problem is their religion is the world, and they're very devout to it. But we, with the power of the Holy Spirit, can add to the numbers, not just of Ignite Church, but to the kingdom of God. Acts 17, 4, and some of them were persuaded to join Paul and Silas along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. Acts 18, 8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, they were believing and being baptized. Us sharing the gospel is literally us just speaking the gospel. When you start speaking the gospel, people will get saved in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to rely in the power of the Holy Spirit. It becomes very obvious, just reading through this, that God's interested in numbers. Don't you think? He wants big numbers. Like he's everyone. Let's, let's go out and share the gospel with everyone and watch the numbers start increasing. And our last answer to our question is, to pass down our faith to the next generation. If it weren't for the Church of Acts, if it weren't for people like Paul and all of those great people in between now and, and that time in history, passing on the generation and sharing the gospel, we wouldn't have what we have today. It's our responsibility to pass that on to our kids and our kids to pass it on to their kids, so forth and so on. We need to be passing it on from generation to generation. That's why we go out and speak it. That's why we go out and make disciples. That's why we go out and love. That's why we go out and serve. So we can pass that on down to the next generation. If you look at what's going on in the world today, just look in the United States, not even the world, we can see that a few generations have missed the gospel. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the numbers are dwindling in the church quickly. I, I spoke to about 5,000 men, and I asked the question through this, through this whole year, how many people were making disciples? And I gave them the example of Paul and Barnabas and Titus and Timothy, like we all should be a Paul. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We should all be a Paul. We should have a Barnabas in our life or an Ananias pouring into us, loving on us, and then we should be sharing that with a Timothy and a Titus and a John Mark. Like that's the example of discipleship. And out of the 5,000 men, 189 guys raised their hand over a whole year of asking that question. 189 guys. And so that you want to know why the church is going to hell in a handbasket? That one reason right there. It's because we're not going out and making disciples. We're not being discipled ourselves. We just think coming to church is okay. We'll do the check mark and uh, we'll, we'll be all right. God is looking for us to become reproducers. Look at question number two. What does a producer look like? What does a producer look like? Jesus talks a lot about the outward appearance and the inward appearance throughout his ministry. Why does he usually talk about that? He, well, he's talking about that, one, because the religious right in Israel were all about the do's. Like, look at what I do. I raise holy hands on the street corner. I 
you know, sing and praise and blow a horn as I bring my tithes and my alms. And I do all of these things for the show of man. But in my heart, I'm truly wicked. I'm truly sinful. And I'm not doing exactly what God has called me to do. And Jesus talks a lot about that. And so what you think looks like on the outside is not what God is looking for on the inside. A reproducer is somebody probably who you would think that doesn't look like the part, maybe doesn't fit the part. And just because they come to church doesn't necessarily mean that they're a reproducer. Just because they serve in a ministry doesn't necessarily mean that they are reproducers. A reproducer is somebody that is going out, sharing the gospel, and learning and making disciples. In other words, he's reproducing what he was taught or she was taught. That's what a reproducer is. And that's what we need to look like. We need to look more like a person. Look at the first answer. A reproducer is a person who has personalized Christ's commission. What's the commission? To go out and make disciples. We are to go out and make disciples. And so when I personalize that, I realize that somebody poured into me, somebody had uh, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the gospel to me, and what did it do? Change my life. Okay, now I've got to take that and go, golly, if my, how many of you sit here and look back and go, it was a miracle for me to get saved? Anybody say, okay, everybody ought to be raising your hand because it is a miracle for you to be saved, no matter where you were. It ought to be a miracle. Like, when you look back at your life going, man, the atheist that I used to be, the God-hater that I used to be, and then all of a sudden he came into my life and wrecked my world, like, if I can get saved, anybody can get saved. That's what I usually say. If I can get saved, anybody can get saved. I've got to personalize that. Now I've got to go out and reproduce that. What can change somebody else's life? The power of the gospel. I've got to know that. So we always talk about having a testimony. I have a testimony of 2003, May 22nd, when my life changed. And you know the cool thing about my testimony? Keeps changing. Keeps growing. Keeps, keeps getting different. And that's the cool thing about a testimony. I have to... Um, I have to personalize my relationship with Jesus Christ. How do I personalize that? I get to know him. I get to know him every single day. I get to know him through prayer. I get to know him through um, walking away from sin. I get to know him through making disciples. I get to know him through sharing the gospel. Like, I get to know him more and more. And the more that you do it, man, the easier it is. The more that you start relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever eaten at a restaurant and gone off and, told good or bad about the restaurant. Anybody? Or you had the best meal in the world. What do you typically do? You go tell everybody, like, oh, my gosh, you got to go to so-and-so and eat. I had the best steak that I've ever had there. I've had the best, you know, nachos or what, whatever that was. I go off and share that with somebody else. I also do the same thing with, you know, something that was bad. Like, oh, don't go to that place. That's good. Word of mouth is powerful, just so you know. And if a Christian is going out going, man, I don't know about this Christian life. My, my church is blah, blah, this, and, you know, they got a, this and that, and I don't know about that, and I'm always in a bad mood. And I'm like, you know what kind of that, that does to other people? That scares them off. That scares them off because you're having a bad day or a bad season or whatever that is, and you're going off and telling the rest of the world that, man, this Christian stuff just isn't all it's cut out to be. But if you're saved, and God is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, what should your response be to the rest of the world? I love Jesus. Like, I am going to heaven. I know without a shadow of a doubt. I'm not worried about what the world can throw at me. Uh, I'm living this life to the best of my ability. And guess what? I'm not perfect. I fail. I, 
I sin. I, like, we're not expecting you to come into the church and be perfect. We're not expecting you to come into the church and b- before you come into the church and be clean. We want you to come in as you are. We're going to love you and, and put our arms around you, and we're going to be there for you no matter what warts are on your face, period. That's what we should be doing out in the rest of the world is letting everybody see how Christ is very personal to us. A reproducer, second answer is a reproducer is a person with a heart for the unchurched. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, seeing the people. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest and send out the workers into the harvest. This is key for the church. This is key. Do you realize of all the people out in the world, most of them are seekers? Right here. What's that? What this harvest analogy is telling us that there's a lot of people out there to be plucked out of the world, to be plucked out of Satan's hands. But guess what? The people over here, they're very few and far between. There's not enough of these to go out and seek those. We need, more, we need more workers, period, in this church, in every church in the United States, in the world for that matter. We need more people that are reproducers. I'm not scared of what the world is going to say to me. I'm going to go out and speak the gospel. I'm going to go out and share the gospel no matter what, and I'm going to bring them into the fold. I'm going to bring them in and start discipling them. There are very few people in here that are corner, street corner preachers. You're not going to go out and just throw the word out and hope somebody gets saved. You're going to have people in your sphere of influence that you can share daily with them. Man, my church was awesome yesterday, and my small group was great, and man, the word spoke to me here, and you're planting these little bitty seeds in their life, and man, the next thing you know, they're coming and asking for prayer, and the next thing you know, you're able to share, and this disciple-making process happens without you even knowing it. And then, bam, you're able to share the gospel. This is what Jesus did in my life. This is how Jesus changed my world. This is why I follow Jesus. We need more workers. We need more reproducers. We've got way too many people out here seekers. And we need you, period. Second answer, a reproducer is a person that's committed to discipleship. This is not just a season of stuff to do. All right, this is a lifestyle that becomes part of you. You're out inviting people to church. You're out sharing the gospel. You're out uh, loving on them, serving on them. This becomes a part of who you are, not just because the pastor's telling you to do it. You have to seek God in this process. I can't make you do it, period. I pray that you will rely on the Holy Spirit to push you to do that because a lot of people out here are going to go to hell because you and I didn't speak the gospel to them. We have to go out and share the gospel, period. A reproducer is a person who lives in expectation. Do you think the church of Acts was going out going, I don't know if I should say anything about them, to, about Jesus? Like, no, they were going out expecting, because guess what? They saw somebody get saved. Matter of fact, then the next thing they saw 3,000 people get saved. Then they saw 5,000 people get saved. Then they went out with expectation. They were not scared of anything. I'm going to share the gospel. Watch this. This guy's going to get saved. This guy's going to get saved. This whole family's world's going to get rocked right now because I'm going to share the gospel. 
They went out in expectation. Because we're scared of the Holy Spirit, because we're, we're in this place of, uh, of doubt and we're quenching the Holy Spirit because we're living in sin and we're living with the world instead of with the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have that same expectation. We don't have that same expectation. I expect God to save somebody every time that I speak. I, whether he does or not, that's up to him. But when I speak the gospel, when I share the gospel, I want somebody to get, I want to see God come in and show up and show off. That brings an expectation. That brings an excitement. You want to see a dead church? People that aren't getting saved. People that aren't, you know, laying it all down at the cross. People that aren't serving, loving, giving. A church will die real quick if those things aren't happening. We have to have some expectation of the Holy Spirit. There's a promise from Jesus that says, rely on the Holy Spirit. That power will be in you, and it will change the world. We saw the church of Acts. They were not scared of anything. It was an amazing, when you read the book of Acts, it was amazing what God was doing at that point in time. Even through the persecution, even through the fear of dying, even through the fear of losing everything, they were still going out and the numbers were, were, were growing daily. Wouldn't it be awesome to see our numbers grow daily? Wouldn't it be awesome to see the kingdom's numbers grow daily? There are people out there that are reproducing. There are people in here that are reproducing, but not enough. We have a whole lot of people seeking. We have a whole lot of people, you know, on this place of still on the milk of the word. They're still trying to figure out life and worry. You know, they've got one foot in the world, one foot in heaven, and it's just confusing. We're not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. I think if you and I got to a place where we literally just gave up, and I don't mean give up as in life in general. I'm saying give up striving for what the world is throwing at you. Like, start looking at what God is throwing at you. What is God wanting you to strive for? What is God wanting you to do? How can you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and show you the power that he has? It's available to all of us. It's available to every single one of us in here. With the power of the Holy Spirit, your words are no different than my words when we're speaking the gospel. It doesn't matter whether I'm the pastor and you just got saved. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you go out and you start sharing the gospel with people and you will see people give their lives to the Lord. And then as a reproducer, I bring them into my fold. I bring them into to my, my area. Let me teach them. Let me work on them. Let me share with them. Let me show them how the Bible is and works and does and, and changes lives and all of that kind of stuff. And then I go off and say, go do it yourself. Maybe that person starts in their family. Maybe that person starts at their work. Maybe they just start going out to the street and sharing the gospel. Who knows? But we've got to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to realize that it is a command that we make disciples. The workers are few. The harvest is plenty. And we can sit here and play church until Jesus comes back. I don't want to, though. I want to see a church that blows up, catches on fire, and burns down the community with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to see. I want to stop living a complacent life. 
a, a lazy life, a, a fearful life. Like, I want to see a church that just comes on fire. That's, our name is Ignite for a reason. There's a fire there that, that is just waiting to, to be fanned. We're going to fan that flame. Amen? Let's pray.